Hey, so we're um, going through the story of the Bible as a church at the moment. So last week I preached on like the big, what's the whole story of the Bible and kind of followed some key themes, some key threads through it, which I thought was groovy. Um, and then today just looking at kind of the first part, but because of the lads getting baptized, I've kind of squished it right down. So we're just going to really talk about one little part of the Bible, which is all the, the story of Israel. Whoa, Kelly or Jordan, someone make my thingy work. Um, all about Israel and slavery. So if you're like, what the heck is Israel? What's with slavery? What's going on? Let me kind of backtrack super fast. So God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve did the wild thing, which were in church, so we would never mention the sex word, right? Adam and Eve did the wild thing, out popped babies. Their babies had babies. Before you know it, the planet's covered in humans running around like crazy, doing heaps of stupid, evil things, and everything's turned into custard. And so God, in his goodness, as he often does, he just chooses one family to be like his chosen family, right? So he chooses the family of Abraham. And he calls Abraham to be like, they often say, a special people, right? A special people set apart to God. So the world's going crazy, but God in his goodness chooses Abraham to be really connected with God. And you read it quite often. This is right at the beginning of the, of the Bible. You read it quite often where it talks about God wants to bless everyone, the whole planet, through these, the special family of Abraham, right? So then you fast forward a little bit, and this massive famine comes, and everyone's starving to death, and it's just horrible. And so everyone ends up in... Egypt. Great photo, eh? Is that a good photo? Oh, that was a great photo. Um, everyone ends up in Egypt, and you've kind of, um, the Egyptians are the ruling power at this time. And so you fast forward 400 years of slavery, which John was mentioning, and Egypt's moved from welcoming the family of Abraham in to being like, man, these stinking, smelly Israelite Jews, stinking, stinking. <laughs> Um, and oppressing them and make them slaves, right? And so the slavery they put them under, as with all slavery, just horrible, super, super horrible, right? The stuff they're making them do is just absolutely disgusting. And so over that 400 years, finally the people are really calling out to God, and they're like, God, last time I checked, we're meant to be a blessing, and you're meant to be blessing us. But when I got home from work today, doing a 27-hour you know, day, <laughs> Um, didn't feel like much blessing going on, God. And so they're calling out to God, and God raises up someone called Moses. Shot, everyone. If you said Noah, get out. No, nah, I'm joking. Um, God raises up this guy, Moses, and long story getting longer. Moses uh, comes back to his, raises an Egyptian, leaves, comes back. It's a long story. Um, with Aaron, and they're going to lead the people out of Israel. Finally, right? So there's this, this, finally there's this kind of hope. And I just want to look at some of the plagues, because for two reasons. One, one of the big things you see in this exodus, this time of God rescuing um, Israel from slavery to Egypt, is there's this massive battle going on, right? And I think in our, in our nice, safe Western world with Netflix and everything else, we kind of miss that our world is really spiritual. It's a very spiritual world. And when you look at the plagues and the exodus and all this kind of stuff, you just see this really full-on battle between God, big G, because he's legit, <laughs> and the gods, little G, because we don't like them, <laughs> the, the little gods of Egypt. And the reason I want to look at these is, one, because you just really clearly see this, like, God just, like, being super powerful, and thus super hilarious, okay? Are you with me? Wow. You guys. Next Sunday, I'm going to make sure the baristas have, like, two just strong coffees for everyone, and you're not allowed on the door unless you've sculled the coffee. So when you get in here, you're, like, pumped. All right, let me read some verses, right? So this is not a, the first plague. This is the first miracle that happens when um, Moses and Aaron are going before Pharaoh and they're, they're, you know, asking him to let 
if you've seen that old movie, movie with Yul Brynner, who's seen the old one with Yul Brynner? Remember the greatest movie ever, yes. And then the, here's that famous line, let my people go. And you're just like, oh my gosh, greatest movie ever. It's like a thousand years old, so only old people like me know it. And um, where are we going? Exodus 7. So if you've got your Bible, good to follow along and check I'm not just making all this stuff up. So to me, this is one of the funniest stories in the Bible. I just absolutely love this. So you've got to imagine the scene, right? So you guys, most of us have seen scenes of ancient Egypt, and you've got like Pharaoh, and he'd have like a snake gold hat, hat on, or whatever they call it, and there'd be tons of servants and slaves and wizards and magicians. It'd be just full-on scene, right? And then Moses and Aaron, who would look pretty messed up because they're shepherds, right? So they just do not fit. They're wearing like shady robes, I would imagine, cool staff, as you've got to have excellent beard, which mine's going to look a bit rubbish at the moment. Maybe an amazing moustache like Sean. Everyone's seen Sean's moustache? Sean's going to be baptizing some of the lads when you see that. That is a moustache, right? It's really good. Anyway, focus. So this is the first time they go before Pharaoh. I just find this hilarious. If you haven't read this lately, I just love this. So again, remember, we're remembering there's this battle, the spiritual battle between God and the God's little G of Egypt. Um, so where are we? Exodus 7. Verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a serpent. And I could stop there because it's like, shut up. What the heck? Are you serious? Anyone in here throwing a, a stick down lately? It's turned to a snake? No, wild. And then it carries on. I love this. Um, where are we? Then this next bit's freaky. And this is where you really see the battle part coming out, right? Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers. And these Egyptian, those Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. It's like, what? They threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard, and he refused to listen, just as the Lord had predicted. Um, I just love that, eh? Now, I find this story really interesting for two reasons. One, Satan is real, <laughs> And like I said before, and like safe Aotearoa, we just don't really talk about Satan and demons and all this kind of stuff. It's like, really? I saw some weird stuff on Netflix once, or, but we just don't talk about it. But one of the things I love about the Bible, the Bible just puts it out there. They're like, no, 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 there's a spiritual realm, <laughs> and there's a battle going on all the time for our souls, for us, right? And so you, you see that real clearly right through these things. But the funniest thing is the eating of the snake. Are you with me on this? Oh my gosh, feel free to engage. I think that's hilarious because God's God. He could have had them, A, throw their sticks down, the wizards, and nothing happens. And they're like, dang it. Which would have been like, ah, oh, sweet ass, God's super powerful. Or they could have thrown them down and they instantly just died. They're like, all right. Or they could have exploded, which I thought would have been super dramatic. But instead, God, it's just hilarious when you think about it, right? You guys, okay, I'll try and work even harder. Because you've got to imagine the scene. Pharaoh, he's sitting on a giant throne. He's got his snake hat on with his gold. He's being the man. The wizards are in cool robes doing wizard stuff. Aaron chucks down his, his snake staff, and they're just like, whatever, bro. Easy. Check out my cool snake staff that I chucked down. Turns into a snake. And they're feeling pretty legit. You with me? Okay, thank you. And then the next minute, what happens? God's like, boom. And then Aaron's snake just starts eating everyone else's snakes. If you were the wizard, you'd be like oh my gosh, this is freaky. Are you with me, eh? Man, I love that story. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so then there's a whole bunch of plagues, like I said. So you guys know there's a plague of blood where like all the water turns to blood. And it's really funny because they start digging 
and they find a little bit of water that hasn't turned to blood along the side of the Nile. And then what happens? Pharaoh's wizards are like, we'll turn the water into blood as well. So now all the water's blood, which I'm like, thanks a lot, wizards. That was super helpful. <laughs> and then the next one, what's the next one? The frogs. This is one of my favorite ones, right? So you guys know the story. If you haven't read it in Exodus, it's really funny. The next plague is frogs everywhere. And again, all these plagues are only in... In Egypt, where the Egyptians are living, none of these plagues hit Israel because they're God's chosen people. He's protecting them, which is kind of like, whoa, we've ever tried to herd frogs? <laughs> so how did God keep the frogs here and not bounce to where they were living? Um, and this is my cheesy story for the day, question for the day. What do Egyptians wear on their feet? Sandals. Sandals, right? So imagine ground is covered in frogs, frog everywhere. Just imagine the pharaoh like... It could just be like frog juice and bones and blah, I just love it. It's God being funny, right? It's God being funny. Um, and then we have gnats, and the gnats actually means lice. And so again, it says Israel, no lice in Israel. But it says in Egypt, they're just covered in lice, the people, the animals. And I'm like, lice has to be one of the grossest things ever to be covered. Am I right, eh? Lice of all things. I'm just like, oh, and again, God's slamming them and just saying, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Who's the big G God here, guys? Oh, I just love it. Um, and then we get to, to the next um, play, which I just need to read a little bit. So this is at the end of the lice one, the gnats. It's called gnats, but in the Hebrew, remember the Bible, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. It's their language. It's most probably they're talking about lice. So um, if you've got your Bible, jump over to um, chapter 8, 18. So this is kind of at the end of the Nats one. And again, remember this battle going on, God versus the the gods. In verse 18, it says, Pharaoh's magician. So every now and so up until now, they've been able to create more frogs, which I'd be like, gee, thanks a lot. Like we didn't have enough frogs. <laughs> more blood. What are you doing? You know? And then this one's real interesting. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts, but this time they failed. And the gnats or the lice covered everyone, people and animals alike. And then this is a real key verse. This is the finger of God, the magician disclaimed to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them as the Lord had predicted. Um, I just find it really interesting that God kind of draws a line, right? It's like, yeah, you can create frogs, which is kind of wild. But now none of these are, there's a line here. And the interesting thing is the magicians now are saying to Pharaoh, this is kind of freaking me out. This is, this is someone who is just so much more powerful than anyone we can understand. And one of the things you see in these plagues, they just kind of get more and more grunty. And at the beginning, you could have been like, oh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Maybe it was just coincidence, all the fish died and everything turned to blood. Maybe there was a, a plague and like all the frogs suddenly appeared, you know what I mean? But as the plagues get grunty and grunty, you're like, whoa, more and more. This is God, man. This is God. And the magicians are aware of that, right? You're with me, eh? You're with me? So I was talking to Jade about this. Where's Jade? Is Jade floating around? She was on base. But oh, so good, Jade. I was talking to Jade about this this week, how we were talking about how when you first become a Christian, or Jade was kind of saying this, when you first become a Christian, sometimes things happen, and you're like, ah, maybe that was me, because I am pretty smart, maybe it was God, I'm not really sure, it could have just been coincidence, it could have been I just organized things well, or whatever, but like Jade was saying, and I thought it was really cool, the longer you, you are a Christian, the longer you stay in a relationship with God, the more as you look back, you're like, man, there's way too many things happening in my life now to negate the reality of God. Does it make sense? You start looking back and you're like, man, when I look at that and that and that and that, I can see that God really does have his hand on me. God really is blessing me. This is not, I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. 
there's coincidence, but this is too much coincidence. And I thought that was really cool. And you see it in these plagues, right? At first you're like, ah. But now the magicians themselves are going, whoa, whoa, Pharaoh. <laughs> We're out, bro. <laughs> the battle's got too kind of grunty. I love it. Okay, and then there's my favorite one, right? And this is the last plague I'm going to talk about. And this is my favorite plague because this is just weird, super weird. So I put this one on the screen. This is the, um, the plague of darkness, right? And so I, I put the verses up here for us to read. So it says, so where are we? Exodus 10, 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. That's pretty freaky, right? Last time you felt darkness, I'm like, what the heck? It's just so oppressive, right? So Moses lifted his hand to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved, but there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. So remember again, it's this battle, good and evil, God and little g-gods, and so there's this darkness, this oppressive, heavy darkness in Egypt, but where the Israelites are, they're like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. What's happening? No, I'm wandering around. A couple of things. One, it's real, so again, the Bible's written in Hebrew. It's really interesting reading this in Hebrew because it's, I can't read Hebrew. Just That sounded like I was this super amazing guy. I just casually read Hebrew in my spare time. How's it going? No. Um, I use books of guys that can read it. Anyway, and they were saying that the words that they use here to describe this darkness is really weird. And they're really talking about it's like an absence of light. It's like the, the concept of light has been removed from the land. And it's kind of like, wow, that's so weird. And then there's these, the words they use here for this, like, it's a darkness, you can feel it. And it's this, like, oppressive, really scary. Because if it was just, like, normal darkness, like, oh, no, it's an eclipse, you'd be like, whatever, light a candle. And the idea is, no, no, you'd light a candle, and it'd be like, I can't see. It's like, it's just this oppressive, scary darkness. But the thing I love about it that blows my mind is how on earth did God make it dark in Egypt, but in the suburb where Israel's hanging out, it's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> it's light. How did he do that, Right. You literally can't do that. You've either got darkness everywhere or light everywhere. Are you with me? Everyone's looking at me super weird. Okay, so I always pick on Morinzor. If you're from Morinzor, super sorry, right? So this would be like, we're living in Kirikiriroa, the chosen land. Amen? Amen. Hamilton's the chosen city, right? you with me? <laughs> um, but Morinzor, not so chosen, right? So Morinzor's Egypt. We're Israel. That's the illustration. So the idea would be, I'd be, I'm in, I'm in Israel, Kirikiriroa, Hamilton, hanging out, doing my thing, plowing my crops. I don't know, whatever you do when you're a slave back in the day, um, and I'm strolling towards Morinsville, and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh my gosh, there's like a wall of darkness. How does this even work? And I'd be like, Kirikiriroa, it's where I'm hacking and then I'd be like, oh, oppressive darkness of Morinsville. Oh, and I'm back in Kirikiriroa, how's it going? So good. Oh, the oppressive darkness. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So that's literally what it said, right? Look at the end. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel live. Man. So I, I love, like I said, there's this battle going on, but at the same time, and I say this, I'm being a bit silly when I say this. It's kind of like God's like, really? You want a piece of me? <laughs> Pharaoh, you want a piece of me? Egyptian gods? Man, let's go. Let's do battle. And he's just like slamming them. Oh, it's good, eh? Good Bible verses? Oh, man, I just love it. All right. Um, couple more, a couple more little bits here. Um, the Passover. I just want to talk about, a bit about the Passover. I know heaps of us know. Sorry, I'm just going to drink some water. Um, heaps of us know stuff about the Passover, but I thought I'd just read some, some verses about it. So we're getting right to the end. But, and you've got to get this in your head, or this just seems really, really evil of God. One, 
The Egyptians should never have oppressed Israel. <laughs> Last time I checked, slavery is horrible. <laughs> no one should be having anyone as a slave, right? Um, and so, so God has, so that's kind of obvious. They shouldn't have slaves. But now God's given them chance after chance after chance to say, yes, you're right. The people should be freed. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. Because it's their labor force. They don't want to have to mow their own lawns and cook their own meals and make their own bricks and stuff, right? And so now it's kind of like, the way I always imagine this is it's like, this is the last plague. And it's kind of like God's like, man, I have tried everything to convince you to free my people who I love. I want to bless them. I've, I've tried everything. So now the gloves are off. And this last one is going to terrify you is the idea, right? So let me read a couple of verses here. So we're in chapter 12 of Exodus. Where are we going? Verses 3 to 7. So this is the final one. Um, so he says through Moses, announced to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. And I love this next verse. It's like, God cares about the environment too. I love this. If a family's too small to eat a whole animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. It's like, God, like, he's about to destroy all these people, but he's like, I still give the animals. Let's just not be wasteful. I love that. Um, where are we going? The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat, with no defects. Um, where are we going? Verse 12. So it's pretty obvious, right, what, what they're having to do. Uh, verse 12. On that night, I'll pass through the land of Egypt. And this is the scary part. Strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. You see it, right? That's what I've been saying. It's a big spiritual battle. For I am the Lord. And this is the, the interesting bit. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover, right? I'll pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Man. Pretty full on. So weird question. Hands up. Who is the firstborn son in your family? Many people here. I am, which is cool. There's a lot of us, eh? Heaps of us. Um, and how many of you are farmers? Not very many. <laughs> but in their culture, everyone was a farmer. So if you lose the firstborn son, which in their culture is really huge, and you lose your firstborn animal, this is just going to absolutely devastate them, right? Devastate them. Um, the key thing to note, and I, I want to link this to these crazy lads in a second, the, the key thing to note is the blood on the doorpost, right? So they, they kill the lamb or the goat or whatever, they take the blood with this, um, this herb thing, and they put it on the sides of the door and on the top of the door. And the thing is, there's nothing special in the blood. It's not like God comes along to destroy and he's like, whoa, there's special blood, I'll run away. He sees their obedience, right? He sees that they're saying, oh, we trust in God. We trust that God's done these incredible, terrifying plagues. And this one is really scary. So we, we trust God. We're going to put the, the, the blood on the door. You imagine how terrified you'd be inside. Did we kill the lamb right? Did we use the right thing? What's oh, so scary. Um, so I want to talk about these lads. Where are you? One, two, three, four lads. So in the, in the story of the Passover, they're, they're saved, right? They're covered. They're protected because the, the lamb died in their place. That makes sense, eh? So instead of the firstborn dying, they killed a lamb in their place or a goat in their place. So the wild thing to me, and this always blows my mind, is like these guys, last time I checked, on my list of shady people, right up there. Do I hear an amen? Wow, it should have been a no, they're so lovely, but they're pretty shady. No, they're awesome. Um, last time I checked, most of them have done some pretty evil things, right? Like especially Caleb. Like if I said to Sean and Lisa now, 
talk to him about Caleb and like evil stuff, they'd be like, oh, we have books at home, like books of evil that he does. We keep reading. No, they wouldn't, right? But the, the way the Bible makes it clear, and remember we're talking about the Passover, the way the Bible makes it really clear is that these guys have done evil. They've done bad. They've done sins. Especially you, bro. Shot man. Nah. So therefore they should be punished for the evil. It makes sense, right? When you do evil, you get punished. But God, because he loves them, I can understand that. You guys are amazing. I love you guys. Because God loves them, God's like, man, they can't pay for their evil. They can't pay for all the bad stuff they've done. So God kills Jesus in his place, right? Sacrifices Jesus in the place of these guys. So imagine like this. I was thinking about this week. It's like because Malachi, right, has believed in God. He said, God, I want you to be the boss of my life. I want you to take away all the evil and the sin and stuff I've done because I know Jesus died in my place, right? It's like if God suddenly, like Malachi, did something really terrible at home, like punched one of his sisters, which would never happen, of course, right? If God suddenly went to zap Malachi like, it'd be like he'd go to zap and then he'd be like, oh, oh, man, lucky I caught that because, oh, all your evil has already been forgiven by Jesus. So you still did something wrong, right? No punching of sisters, but God comes to zap you (laughs) and it's like, oh, that's right, the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus has protected you, has covered you, right? And that's exactly what we see in the Passover, right? That same thing. God comes to, like, kill the firstborn in that house. And it's like, oh, no, they're obedient. They're following me. They're, they're connected with me. They're doing what I've asked them to do, right? Makes sense, eh? Makes sense. You with me? All right. Okay, and then just a real quick thought here about the, the Exodus. So John read those verses. So I'm not going to read them again. But the thing I love about this Exodus, and I, I don't think that's Egypt, just saying, but I really like the picture. And it was kind of an Exodus-y looking picture. Oh, good day. Eh? No? I don't know. I like the picture. It's all good. Um, when, when they finally leave, you imagine the release and the relief as you left. You've been in slavery for a long time. You know your kids are going to be born into slavery. It's, it's hard. It's horrible. And now finally, after all these plagues, you're walking down this road. You'd be looking over your back the whole time, right? You'd be thinking, they're coming. There's no way they're going to let us go. There's no way. And you keep walking. You keep looking back. You keep walking. <laughs> The, the freedom, right? And the, the whole big story of this exodus is they're moving from this place of slavery and death and horrible lives to this place of blessing <laughs> where God's going to bless them and guide them and be with them and love them and just pour goodness on top of them. That's the plan, right? Now, I, I say this real carefully. I don't want to be super cheesy, but this is one of the things I'm so excited for these boys, right? When these guys get baptized, you know, but just to make sure we're on the same page, when they get baptized, they go into this crazy water thing and say whatever because this is just symbolic right of what happened when they became a Christian when they moved into that relationship with God so when they became a Christian they're saying no I'm dead to me being the boss of my life I'm dead to that because that doesn't work right (laughs) some of us who are older are like oh my gosh preach it bro when I try and be the boss of my life turns to custard (laughs) can I hear an amen and some of you should have shouted that because I know you and your life's turned to custard no I'm joking I'm joking (laughs) Um, when they get baptized, they go under the water. It's like death to the old me, the boss of my life. When they come out, which, at which point we will all go, whoa, and go crazy. It's saying, man, I come out to new life. Man, God is the boss of my life. He's going to guide me and direct me and bless me. It's Israel, right, walking out of the, the slavery. So like Caleb, man, we have no idea. In 20 years' time, no one knows where Caleb's going to be. I'm going to try and not get too emotional when I say this. Why do people do that? It's so weird. We have no idea where Caleb's going to be in 20 years, right? But we know that God loves Caleb like crazy. <laughs> we know that God is going to want to bless Caleb and guide Caleb. There's going to be times in Caleb's life where he's going to be like, 
I have no idea what I'm doing. I am so terrified right now. But he can call out to God who loves him. And God can guide him and direct him and bless him. Isn't that so cool, eh? Yeah. Chase, the man. Who knows where Chase will be when he's 80? I'm going for an old folks' home with slippers, sweatpants. It's one of those, like, walker things. He's shuffling. We don't know, man, but we're just excited because we know that God loves you like crazy, man. Chase has no idea how much God loves him, right? Chase has no idea how much God wants to bless him and speak into his life and guide him and care for him. And there's a community, right? We're a community. We're a family here. It's our job to be praying for these guys because life is really, really hard, right? Pray for them, right? Noah, what's up? Is Noah going to have 10 kids, 27 kids, no kids? Is he going to be an astronaut? going to be a preacher? No, I don't know. We don't know. God totally knows, right? God knows exactly what's in future for Noah because God loves Noah like crazy, like crazy. I'm, I'm a big believer that if Noah realized right now how much God loves him, Noah would either die laughing and be like as if or fall on his face and just go, oh my gosh, I am so blessed to be in a relationship with God, right? You're with me, eh? Malachi the Italian prophet, no, Malachi, man, Malachi, Malachi's real serious in his faith with Jesus, eh, real serious, um, and we have no idea where Malachi's going to be in five years' time, university, high school, leading an interpretive dance crew, touring South Africa, I don't know, where's Malachi going to be in 20 years, 40, we don't know, right, and not only does God know, but God wants to bless Malachi, he really does. God's dream, I know God doesn't dream, but you know what I mean, God's dream for Malachi is that there's points in Malachi's life where Malachi's sitting back just going, man, I had no idea this would ever happen. I had no idea God would use me in this place or bless me in this way, right? No idea, but God loves Malachi. He wants to bless him. And that's what I see in the Exodus. I see them walking out just being like, (laughs) freedom, baby! Man, where's God going to take us? What's God going to do? I don't know, but we're going we're to journey close. And that's like our prayer for these boys, right? Man. All right, let me pray, and then I'll get out of here. We're going to do a couple of songs, and then we're going to baptize these lads. So let me pray, eh? Yeah. Yeah, kia ora atua. Yeah, kororia ki te mātua, ki te tamaiti, ki te wairua tapu. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Almighty God, we, we read these stories in the Old Testament and they can just feel real fictional at times, real like, um, I don't know, kind of vaporous, like really did that happen? Is there real battles of good and evil going on now? But I think when we're honest with ourselves, we just see this all the time. We're really aware, deep in our hearts, that Satan is evil, that there is evil in this world that wants to attack us, consume us. Eh? Yeah, I just pray for all of us... Um, listening, pray for the people on the podcast, kia ora, podcast, pray for the people on that video link, hey, kia ora, video people, um, I don't know, life's hard, God, we want to experience more of your blessing, more of your closeness, keep us close to you, eh? yeah, keep us close to you, God, we, we need that closeness, yeah, I pray all this in the name of Jesus.